The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you interested in changing a part of your life? Whether it's finances, relationships, reducing stress, or just personal health, sometimes just changing a few small things can bring great rewards. Welcome to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wadwa. We'll provide possible steps you need to see these improvements. All we ask is that you try them out. Now, here is Dr. Serena Wadwa. Welcome to today's show. Thanks for joining us. We have got a very intriguing topic to talk about when we focus on wellness and moving forward. And my guest today is Shavad Carl Khalsa. Did I say that right? Shavad Carl Khalsa. Thank you. Even yes. with practicing, it's sometimes <laughs> difficult. And she is a licensed clinical professional counselor, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and also certified in yoga and medita- uh, yoga therapy. And so welcome to the show today. Thank you for being Thank on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Serena. I'm really honored to be on your show. Well, thanks. Well, let's, let's just get right into this. Um, you know, Obviously, a lot of people may or may not have heard about yoga and uh, meditation. And and I know nowadays, you know, that's kind of becoming more of the quote unquote trend, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been, you know, how did you get involved in it? What, you know, what is it? Let's let's just start there. Sure. Um, well, I met my Kundalini yoga teacher. That's the tradition that I teach and practice. And I met her when I was actually in college Um more than two decades ago, um, I'm dating myself here a little, um, <laughs> but uh, really was intrigued with, with yoga and um, didn't really study it until I met her a few years later, actually, when I was unhappy in my profession. When I graduated from college, I was um, a graphic designer and oh. was out in the field and became really um, dissatisfied and unfulfilled. And so I actually ran into her, and she said, are you coming to my yoga class now? Like <laughs> Three years later. I said, yes, now I'm ready. So I was ready for some change and wanted to be happier and um, really embraced the practice um, and decided to go back to school for my master's degree in art therapy and do a big change. So I made uh, those changes and did yoga along with becoming a therapist and then over time, noticed how much it was helping me and people that I knew in the yoga community and decided to try to combine it um, with the practice. So um, the, combining the practices, so to speak. So I started sharing it, the teachings with clients and um, both yoga and meditation practices, starting very simply and seeing um, some really phenomenal change for clients. Wow, that and what a shift from graphic designer to therapist and 
yoga instructor, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So you had mentioned that the form that you were taught in is Kundalini uh, yeah. yoga. And ju- just for the um, sake of the listeners, because I don't know if listeners will know what that is, can you talk a little bit about what Kundalini yoga is? Yes, Kundalini <clears throat> yoga is uh, a form of yoga that combines breath work, which we call pranayama, and it also in, in, incorporates postures, mudra, which is the hand positions, mantras, meditation, and always a deep relaxation. So a typical kundalini yoga practice or class will incorporate all those elements. So it's very comprehensive. It's sometimes called the mother yoga because it incorporates many of the branches of yoga. Okay. And can you talk a little bit more about, because, you know, you talk about, um, and I know that you've even mentioned earlier about how um, yoga has been beneficial for some of your clients and, and the meditation has been beneficial for some of your clients. Yeah. And so I'm curious if you can talk a little bit more about, um, you know, what what these different, uh, you said branches, I think, are and how you have seen them be beneficial for clients or even other individuals. Like there may be some listeners that are curious about this um, that, that want to know more about the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the primary piece of yoga is focusing on the breath and the connection between the body, the mind, and what some people might call the soul or the spirit. So in yoga, we don't really see a separation between the body, mind, and spirit. And um, we start with the breath, which helps us, even the name breath, when you say inspiration, um, the respiration or the inspiration is based on that same word um, in Latin, that Latin root of being inspired or drawing on the breath. So it's very beautiful to think Mm -hmm. about moving into uh, a more present moment through practicing yoga or meditation and starting with the breath. So we often start there and it produces so many wonderful changes for people. And I often say that yoga is very ancient. They they can't even date how old it is. It's Some people say 5,000 years old. Some people say 10,000. Some people say the roots even are 20,000 years old. Wow. They can trace back. And it's still around because it still works. And so you think about a yogi in the Himalayas or something, and he's practicing, you know, thousands of years ago, and maybe he was depressed or maybe he had panic disorder. And what did he do? You know, he did, we didn't have drugs, um, medications back then. So um, manipulated maybe herbs, natural um, substances, but they learned to manipulate the breath, and there's hundreds of different pranayamas and ways to manipulate the breath for a change in mood state. So it's really um, the the main piece, I would say, of yoga is beginning with the breath and then being able to connect and see the connections with the body and being more present. So so what I'm hearing you say then is that um, in yoga, the part of the philosophy and part of what manifests for individuals that try it is that... um, in the way that they may breathe, that can shift like um, energy or uh, like what they're feeling at the moment, what they may be thinking in the moment, something like that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. 
so it, it creates a shift. So say someone might present for counseling who is depressed, and they may have some restriction, they may have blunted affect, um, and, and these are very typical anhedonia, typical things that we see when they come in, and learning to breathe differently, to hold the posture of the body differently, and introduce more presence to what is happening at the core for them, whereas mm. medication sometimes treats the symptoms of what's happening. And so that's one really beautiful thing about yoga practice um, as well in that approach is that we can really get to what's happening. And many people come to see me who are looking for an alternative to medication, mm-hmm. not necessarily to replace it. And I never, I'm not a fanatic. I believe it has its place. And I do work with psychiatrists to refer. And we work in, in tandem to treat a, a patient. And a psychiatrist is always aware when I'm treating a patient as well. That, that is working with them. But there's sometimes we can offer practices to complement that if they're on a medication or if they want to work their way off of something eventually with the supervision of the, of the physician. Um, so sometimes there's, there's, there's ways that we can make inroads and if they can, if they can embrace the practice. So that one thing that, that I always tell clients as well when they come is that it is not a pill that it just takes a couple of seconds to swallow. It, if they want to have some of these practices, then they have to carve out some time in their day. So that is something to know right up front, that there's a sacrifice of time, whether that's in the morning or during their day or before bed, sometime in the evening, of course, sometime in the day. So, you know, it, it doesn't take long necessarily. There's things you can do in three minutes that shift the consciousness. Really, three minutes. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that's pretty quick, actually. By uh, you know, even for today's standards, that's pretty quick. Right, in three right. minutes. Because even like medications, sometimes uh, depending on the type of medication that you're taking, it can take yeah. fifteen, twenty minutes to have some sort of effect, and then you still, you know, have to wait a period of time before you before there is that shift, almost, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so that's interesting. Like having a panic attack or something. Yeah. So yours to have more mastery and more tools. So that's really okay. where where I where I get really, you know, buzzed, you could say, when I get so inspired <laughs> by people who come and they learn tools and it's so empowering to see them and take it outside the session. And that's something too. I'll give therapeutic homework, ask them to work on something every day. One of, the, one of the practices we often share in Kundalini Yoga is a 40-day practice. Okay. So you do something, a meditation or a yoga practice for 40 days without breaking that. You don't break the 24-hour clock. And it is almost like a, when you take medication like an antibiotic and you, the doctor will say, don't stop taking this even if you feel better. You know, don't stop the dose after five days or, you know, something like that. So right. like that, oh, that's... 40 days is one moon cycle plus 10 days for good measure. You'll see 40 days in a lot of different cultures and a lot of different traditions. Oh, that's very interesting. Oh, that is very interesting. I I did not know that. And so I'm I'm a little curious about, um, you know, because like what you mentioned earlier, this this notion of, you know, needing to do it or um, quote unquote assigning it like on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Do you often find like people struggle with that? Because I've heard like for some individuals, 
the fear is that, you know, trying yoga because they can't, you know, they don't feel like they can get into that position or it's not um, something that's really going to work for them because it's, you know, too physical or too, uh, you need too much flexibility or something like that. What, what has been your experience with that? Well, it's, it's really good to start simply. And my, let me tell you a little bit about my office setup. So my office is in a loft office space, and when um, clients come, then when they come through the threshold of my office, they leave their shoes. So it's often um, similar to a yoga center or a space of sacred space where they leave their shoes at the door, and they do that a lot in the east, of course. Mm-hmm. And so that um, in some ways represents the acknowledgement of a sacred space where yoga um, practice might take place or some sort of conscious practice might, might occur there. And then it also keeps it, um, the metaphor of the dirt of the world does not come into that space. And it often relaxes people, actually, when they come in. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I have my socks on and it's a carpeted space. And so um, I have chairs um, and my chair, of course, across from them, but all that folds up when I want to teach something on yoga mats on the floor. But I'll often start with them in the chairs. So this is something that um, you can start very simply with the pranayama instructions. So I'll often start with them just sitting in chairs, you know, in a regular chair that they can translate very easily in their home. So definitely there's, there's um, a commitment that needs to be made if they want to have that change affected in a way, um, mm-hmm. if they want to see that change happen. So there's that, that sort of therapeutic contract. But after practicing, you know, art therapy and also verbal psychotherapy, I've seen over the years with clients that talk, 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 talk does not always produce major change um, in behavior. Mm. So the, the yoga and meditation practices, which can be very simple, and I can even instruct a very simple meditation on the breath through this show, if you like, can really create um, something that's a shift for them in many ways, which helps improve their health and improve their relationships, improve their relationship with themselves, too. So they're able to kind of slow down. In these stressful times, this is really important to be able to check in with yourself. And let's, uh, we just need to take a short break and we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you have cancer, there are a lot of questions that need to be answered. While many medical professionals can give us some of the answers, there are many more unanswered questions that can't always be answered to our satisfaction. Listen for Cancer Concepts and Compliments with Dr. James Belanger. We'll discuss the tests, the compromised immune system, how cancer grows, and what natural medicines could be added to conventional therapies that may help keep it at bay. Cancer Concepts and Compliments airs live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Kelly covers our relationship with food and teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be. Taking us on a weekly food journey, guiding us to a more rich and vibrant life. 
So tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wathwa at gmail.com. That's drserenawadhwa at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us and staying tuned. And for those of you that are just joining us, we are talking with, and I know I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly again, um, Shabad Carl Kalsa. Is that right? Oh, close. Very good. (laughs) Okay. I know probably by the end of the show, I'll get it perfectly. (laughs) And she is um, a licensed clinical professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, and also a certified yoga instructor and is talking with us about yoga and meditation. And right before um, we uh, went to break, you were talking a little bit about how, like you mentioned, this breathing meditation and and even the effects that it has on um, a person's stress levels. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yes. So we all have stress in a way, and there's good stress, the things that get us up in the morning to get to work and to care for our families and to move through life. But it's if, if stress starts, starts to overwhelm us and starts to become toxic and we carry it or we manage our stress poorly, then that can create disease states and invite digestive issues, um, stress on the heart, um, different systems of our body start to carry that and manifest. So yoga and meditation offer really natural approaches to be able to help us carry the stress differently and manage that with a really strong nervous system. And another thing with especially kundalini yoga um, in our approach is keeping the glands healthy. So a lot of the meditations we do focus, and the eye focus or the drishti we call it, is at the brow point inside and up just above the brow. And this is where the pituitary gland is located. So this is the master gland for the rest of the endocrine system. And that really helps manage your stress differently because your glands are the guardians of your health. So a lot of the practices, even if they're very simple, can really help you keep tuned up and help you bring in a, in a, in a way, make you have um, immunity to stress and toxic stress so you're able to handle it. Differently. And be strong and, and be, yes, and handle it differently. That's right. And now, so, I mean, how exactly then does that, is it because of the shift of a person's posture or because they're, um, like, the way that their breathing is different or is, like, how does that, how do those two work that when someone is doing a breathing meditation, let's say, and if it's a specific type of breathing meditation, how how does that shift the way that person may um experience stress mm-hmm. it's it's all in a way it's it's all tied together okay. so if 
a person who's depressed, for instance, if we took that if we took that case in point, so their shoulders are hunched down in, a, in what we call yoga, the heart center at the sternum, the energy center of the heart is guarded, and their head is slumped, perhaps. Um, this is, in a way, poor posture, but it represents the state of the depression. And so if, if a person is asked to bring their spine tall, bring their neck in alignment with the spine, and bring the chin level, they're looking more directly at life. So they're not in that defeated posture. So a lot of these things are metaphorical as well in the way that you walk through life and you carry. Your shoulders are, are up. Your heart center is open. Um, you're embracing life and you're able to give compassion to yourself and exchange compassion with others. So in a way, energetically, that represents that. And then physiologically, the practices can also help um, as I was saying about the glandular system, for instance, and the nervous system can help you um, really strengthen. And also another aspect of what the, I do with clients is a comprehensive um, assessment and then some, some, in a way, coaching around lifestyle practices. So teaching them some of the things that we as yogis do as we live um, through our diet, for instance, and how we can have good sleep there's a lot of um, things that help support a good night's sleep, which is, of course, vital on many levels for the health of the brain and, again, the nervous system, of course. So anyone who's ever been sleep-deprived or has insomnia knows the agony of that. And, and, so, and that's, of course, tied with depression as well many times. And so, you know, kind of just backtracking for a minute there, it sounds like... Um, I mean, what I'm hearing is two different things, actually. One is that yoga practices actually can help shift how you, and I like the way that you phrase this, um, uh, walk in the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that because you're walking differently based on whatever postures you're doing or breathing exercises that you're learning that have a specific intent, um, that that really does shift how you interact with the world around you and even yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the second thing that I heard is that, you know, you started mentioning, um, like you mentioned depression and, you know, for the sake of uh, listeners too, um some some listeners may know what that is. Some may not. Um, how are you, like, when you say depression, how are you conceptualizing that? So depression, as, as clinically termed, would be where someone has either episodic or chronic. Some people have dysthymia where they're chronically depressed, maybe even from childhood and then struggling through adolescence and on into adulthood. Um, I've seen clients who have been, you know, in and out of therapy with, with different therapists over the years, and then they'll show up in my office at age 35 or 40 or something, and they have dysthymia where they really have struggled um, with feeling a loss of interest in life and their normal activities, a withdrawal um, from social contact, isolation. Um, oftentimes they have a drop in appetite or they... Um, it might tend to binge eat. There's a disturbance in the appetite one way or the other with that. 
um, oftentimes struggle sleeping. They might have a, a hard time falling asleep, or many times they'll wake up in the middle of the night and um, have a really hard time falling asleep. So, and so this is um, how we would diagnose depression. And um, many times people are receiving medications for this. And there's different forms of depression. As I said, sometimes it's episodic. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a time of grief that turns into depression. And that's one thing I always make a distinction about for people is that for clients is when they come for grief resolution, grief is not depression unless it's unresolved. So um, that is really important for them to recognize and acknowledge that grief is a really important part of life and that they're honoring the person that passed away by going through a time of feeling those feelings. But when they have a hard time functioning and then that goes into um, another phase of life where they have a hard time, that might turn into depression if that's not resolved. So depression is defined as that. That's how we, we would clinically diagnose that. And so when you talk about then um, using yoga practices with depression and um, how do you see those practices? Like, you know, I'm thinking about maybe a listener who's hearing some of what you said and recognizes, oh, this, you know, these are some things that I'm experiencing and maybe I have depression and didn't know it. And, you know, so like if they were interested in um, yoga, what what kinds of things have you witnessed um, from your own uh, clinical experience or, or practices in terms of how yoga has affected uh, individuals' depression? What what shifts have you seen? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's it's first of all recognizing what's happening. Sometimes when people are depressed, they deny what's happening. Mm-hmm. Or their their loved ones, the one the people around them will will nudge them towards therapy, um, or maybe there's even a, a suicide attempt. So something that that they just can't ignore anymore. It becomes that extreme, and so um, interestingly enough, some people when they reach kind of a, a point of frustration with Western medicine. So there's sometimes a treatment-resistant depression, treatment-resistant depression, and people have been on uh, many medications. I, I had a client, and she was on five different medications over a period of 10 years and had really, really disabling side effects, very sensitive constitution in this woman. And so she was really looking for something else because by this point she was very frustrated with Western medicine because it was not answering what she needed. And that was very clear. And even her psychiatrist was just, you know, stumped in a way. Wow. So this is, it's very interesting to see how people kind of arrive at these roads and these explorations. And so I started very simply with her with some pranayama um, and some relaxation techniques, um, yogic re- relaxation techniques, very simple things. And that's how I usually start, whether it's anxiety, depression, or relationship issues. And over time, and again with the supervision of her psychiatrist, um, she was able to recognize what was happening inside of her and be able to start regulating her mood states better and have a lot more mastery in her day without feeling 
that was one thing that she didn't like about the medication. She felt powerless when she would take it. Yeah. Sex would kick in. Yeah, and I've often heard that from clients too, and from individuals that are on medication, you know, psychotropic medications, that it it doesn't make them feel really empowered. Um, you know that they do feel like like there is something wrong with them, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to hear that um, an alternative, not necessarily a substitute for medication, uh, but maybe something that's complementary where they can feel a shift by doing these practices that may be beneficial for them. Yes, yes. And and many people are very sensitive. So um, as, as if a doctor says, here, take 50 milligrams of this, and I've seen cases where maybe they do okay with 20 milligrams or 15. It's just like this little, almost, you know, a very small dosage. And then they supplement with some of these yoga techniques to help them manage through the day or through our treatment plan. So, you know, integrating some of these techniques into how we're approaching their, their wellness. Um, so it really depends. You know, so where most, most patients are fine with 50 milligrams and this, this woman gets super dizzy or whatever it is, you know. So, yeah, it's, there's many, many different reasons. I've heard many, I want to say 100 maybe, reasons why people... <laughs> common they do not want to be on medication they're like they do I have to be on this for the rest of my life or you know they really struggle with that yeah and and um before we before we get on to that we're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back stay tuned opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan and Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you struggling with loss in your life? Whether it's grief, personal healing, or serious life changes that you are dealing with, tune in to Voices for Healing with host Kathy Roberts. Everything that happens to us teaches us and gives us hope and possibility. Kathy and her guest experts will bring you the tools that you need to start the healing process. There are so many ways to transform loss. Where can we take you? Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drserenawathwa at gmail.com. That's drserenawathwa at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back. Thanks for staying tuned with us. We are talking with Shabbat Kar Khalsa. Again. Was that good? Excellent. 
Oh my, see, towards the end, that's what happens. <laughs> Practice does make better. <laughs> About yoga as a therapeutic conversation and also benefits of yoga and how it fits in with the broader concept of wellness. And, you know, just kind of we addressed a lot of different principles and um, ideas related to yoga and, and meditation. And I know you had mentioned, I think it was earlier on in the show about the possibility of um, doing a simple uh, or short um, breathing meditation so that listeners can get an idea of what they may be like. Because I'm, I'm also thinking about, you know, what, what, what can help listeners at this point? If they're interested in seeing how yoga and meditation may be of benefit, I know, um, you know, giving your contact information at the end will absolutely be one way that they could do that. Um, but I was wondering if you are willing to do that um, breathing meditation that you mentioned earlier. Yes, I'd be glad to. So this is a beautiful and very simple practice, and it's called Meditation for a Calm Heart. And it's wonderful in these stressful times. And so if you are um, listening and you're willing to, to try it out, <laughs> then come sitting tall and bring your spine tall and bring the, what we call neck lock, gliding the chin back a little bit and in. So the back of your neck, the cervical vertebrae are, are lengthened. So we keep that, we call the shumna, the central channel, um, open by doing that. And then place the left hand across the, the sternum. The left hand is flat against the center of your heart. We call that the, the heart chakra or energy wheel. And the fingers are parallel to the floor. So your fingers are straight across. And then your right hand is held with what we call gyan mudra. And mudra means seal, seal of energy. And the fingertips are brought together in different ways for different effects. And this one, Gyan Mudra, is the one you see the most with the index finger and the thumb placed together. And the other fingers are held straight. And you hold this forward in front of your shoulder, your right shoulder. So the elbow's bent. Your right hand is held, touching the thumb and the forefinger together. And then the eyes can be closed or just looking off the tip of the nose if you feel more comfortable with the eyes open a little bit. And in this posture... Inhale deeply through the nose. Most of the breaths and practices we use through the nose. So inhaling through the nostrils, long and deep, and hold the breath. And if you like, you can count up to three or four, holding the breath. And then after that count, exhale through the nose. Hold the breath out for the same length of time. And this is called suspension of the breath, when you're holding it in or holding it out activating the parasympathetic nervous system through this process. And again, when you're ready, inhale, hold the breath. Count that one, two, three, just as long as you're not gasping or struggling. And then exhale it, hold it out. One, two, three. And if you like, you can build the time of the counting if you think you can hold your breath longer you find, you can go up to five, six, or sometimes even up to 20 seconds, believe it or not. And so keep going, just a couple more breath cycles. We'll do two more breath cycles. One, two, three, et cetera. Keep counting in your mind and exhale it. 
and then count that. And then to end, three strong breath cycles, inhaling and exhaling. So all through the nostrils, inhale, exhale strongly, three times. Another time, inhale, exhale, last time. Relax the hand. Now, this is recommended to do for three minutes. And what this physiologically does and energetically is it creates a still point for the prana. Now, prana is life force. So as yogis, we talk a lot about this. And someone, for instance, we were speaking of depression earlier, might be seen from a yogic perspective as having a lack of prana, of life force flow. And life force is how we draw our life through the air, we breathe through the water we drink, the food we eat, sunshine, love, things we need to live as creatures, as people on the earth, as mammals. And then upana is what we let go of, our outflow in life. And so having the left hand at the heart is a very comforting posture, creates a nice still point and a centering practice. And the right hand, when it's up at the shoulder in that position, helps create a stillness of the mind because it works on cross-laterally the left side of the brain, which is the side in charge of action and analysis. That's the left brain, the male side. And that tells it, we're calming down for a few moments here. So it's a very simple practice, but meditation for a calm heart. And that can be built up, if you like, um, up to 11 minutes a day. So you could do it for three minutes, you know, up to 11 minutes. And you could do it in the morning, set your day, or you could do it, I, I have a client who goes in her conference room at work and shuts the door of no one's there, and she practices it um, to help manage her work stress, and she just loves it. And then, or in the evening before bed, it's a very calming practice. Yeah, it kind of, it, it definitely felt that way. And so you were um, even mentioning how it, this particular practice combined um, the uh, physiological aspect and the mental aspect, so stilling the mind, um, calming the body, and also even bringing in emotional uh, pieces to that. Yes. So and tracing back to what I was saying earlier about the connection between the body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So, so if someone, um, let's say that someone goes for a root canal. So a, a yogi would see that as not just the body, but something in the, the mind and the spirit is, is affected by that. You know, so, so a lot of this has to do with the breath. We start with the breath, but then it comes back to the mind, of course. So, so many of these emotional states start with thoughts and negative thinking. And, of course, depression is very connected to negative thought patterns. And, so, and, and anxiety as well. Anxiety starts with a thought of something in the future. Many times anxiety is oriented to the future, Many times depression in the past, counting your failures or having a hard time, you know, looking forward to anything. And so yoga helps you put yourself into the present moment, really embrace that, but also discipline the mind. So we like to tell a story of a man who um, had a magic lamp and he rubs the lamp. A genie jumps out and says, what can I do for you? And he says, I want a Lamborghini and, okay, a house, a beautiful mansion, da, 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 right? thousand things. And then he says, what else? What else? What else? What else? And he just drives him crazy, finally. He says, okay, I want you to build a running track. He says, okay, poof, go run around the track. When I need you, I'll call you. So the mind is like this. 
You know, it's yes. like, what do I need? What do I need to do? What's the action? What's, you know, so it's super reactive. And, you know, in these days of everyone checking their phones and everything too, right? The, oh, yeah. The mind is starting to take on a new kind of changing. I think we're evolving into new ways of being with it. So it's, it's slowing down is sometimes really hard to do. And, and we are in charge of the mind. So it's, it's thought that the soul is really the one who should be driving, not the mind. Because the mind is just a computer. The mind is not the author of thought. Mm. That's by Dr. Siriyama, a very brilliant <laughs> doctor. So I, I really love that because people get, they fall in love with their mind. And they live in their mind. They live in their yeah. thought, intellect. And then they, they disconnect from the body. And that's where you run into some trouble, I think. Well, and that kind of goes with what you were saying earlier. I mean, that's so, uh, you know, when there really is a disconnect, because I know like when I'm meeting with clients, um, you know, or I am doing a presentation or something, oftentimes it really is about when people come to get help, they do feel this disconnect between what their mind is saying, what their body's saying, and what their heart is saying. And and it sounds like, right. you know, what I'm hearing you say is that, like, even just from this simple um, uh, what meditation for a calm heart that you presented, like, the, even something like that, that you said, you know, takes three minutes a day, can really provide an opportunity to get some of that reconnection established. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It, it's, it gets us back to that ancient way of being. Um, so away from the technology and away from from things that pull us off where we where we could be potentially. So we we get back to like our natural original selves in a way, which is very restorative. And that's another thing that I want to mention about couples. Um, so I want to mention that because couples come for marriage therapy, and I often will teach them meditations to help them connect and and maybe there's been a, a new baby born there are new parents or something and they start to drift away from each other and so they'll you know present for therapy or maybe there's a betrayal in the marriage and so if they do meditation together it's a really beautiful way to like do a, a reset you know, to get back to your original what did you fall in love with that person it's like a fresh start mm. and it's like that for yourself when you're meditating as well but it's also when you're in relationship we call relationship and marriage the, the highest yoga because you're connected to that person. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it's, and it sounds like then even like with couples from what you're um, stating there is that there can be many of the same benefits that an individual will experience. Yes. So yoga means union, union with the divine. Mm-hmm. And it's not a religion, but rather just connecting with your deep spirit and that and the, the spirit is inside, so it's everywhere in the world. We're the same as the tree and the, you know, the cat and everything. You know, we see we're connected, but we really have the spirit inside. So if if we look externally for that all the time, then we'll become unhappy. And it's interesting you say that because uh, I've often seen uh, videos where when individuals are doing 
yoga poses, their pets are so much more in the way when they're yeah. tr- trying to do that. And 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 there has been some uh, you know comments about how animals just naturally know when you're trying to get into this deeper space and they want to connect with you in that space. Exactly. They're, they're so that's, like that's to a flame. They run and right. So and even, amazing. yeah, it's really amazing, and it's kind of funny too. And you see, the yeah, videos. they're really, they're really super grounded to the earth energy. So. Yes, absolutely, and they stay right there in the middle of it. It's amazing to see some of that. Um, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drserenawathwa at gmail.com. That's drserenawathwa at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back. Thanks for listening in and staying tuned. We are continuing our conversation with Shabbat Kar Khalsa, sorry, who is a yoga instructor and also um, a licensed clinical professional counselor, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and has lots of lots of background and experience in this. And you know, we spent a, a really big part of. Um, talking about yoga and meditation and things that it can do and benefits and what it is. And, you know, two, two questions that I want to, um, that came to mind. One is that how do you see the practice of yoga and meditation fitting in with wellness in general? I think it's a great practice. It's very popular now, of course, in America, at least. And, um, I'm sure I know around the world as well. And it's, it offers uh, many entry points for people. So while I can't speak for, for every tradition, you know, I, I come from the Kundalini Yoga tradition um, in that path, but it, it really offers many simple entry points for wellness. 
and that is, as I mentioned earlier, beginning with the breath and helping the body be really healthy with all its systems, respiratory system, digestive, the musculoskeletal system. Um, it helps with bone health, and many, many studies have been coming out now. Brain health, preventing Alzheimer's, even there's a meditation that, that helps with that. It's called medical meditation that we teach, and um, it's very... It offers a lot for wellness. So even if it's just a very simple practice, it can really help people um, maintain their their health and wellness. So even in some degree, I mean, it it sounds like um, with wellness, doing um, some sort of yoga practice or meditation practice affects even the most minute operation of our body. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Okay, I, I was just saying that's pretty um, that's pretty intriguing because you know to think that something that I may do for three to five minutes a day can have that much of an effect on like what you said earlier, my um, pineal gland, how that operates and how that works. Right. So, the, so the pineal gland is above the pituitary pineal. gland in the brain, mm-hmm. and um, that's kind of like the the COO, <laughs> and the pituitary is the CEO. <laughs> Um, because the glands kind of report back to the pituitary gland. Um, and so it, in meditation, yes, the pineal gland, um, there's belief that it calcifies. I mean, medi- medicine shows and, and science shows that it does calcify through life, and meditation can help it stay more vitalized. Um, mm. that's, and that's at the crown chakra, actually. So, um, But yes, it, even in the very minutest parts of our body, and the pineal gland is as big as a grain of rice, or not so um, it's not big it's <laughs> it, it really can help us stay and that's the one that regulates our our melatonin for sleep that little tiny gland so it's it's super important and even to the tiniest degree we can create and affect change and even through some yogic lifestyle practices as i was saying the the um adoption perhaps of a vegetarian diet we encourage because that helps the blood become more more alkaline and not acidic so when you eat meat the blood becomes more acidic and that does not encourage as much of a meditative mind mm, i did not know that that's so very comprehensive in that way yeah yeah that's very interesting and so that even then can affect um how how your mind, body, and spirit work together or your soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one other question that came up, you know, that I thought was interesting because most of the time, you know, people hear yoga and they think, oh, it's this very spiritual thing. And I know you mentioned that it's not a spiritual practice, that it really is about um, the union and reconnection and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm curious if there are listeners that may be agnostic or atheist. Um, what, what kinds of things do you recommend or suggest or encourage them um, when it comes to the practice of yoga and or meditation? Well, I would welcome them to see if they would, would look for a practice that fits for them. Um, there are many, many different forms of yoga and many, many paths. And so the one that I teach and that I practice, I personally really, really love, and I think it offers a lot, um, but I acknowledge the, the other paths. And so um, 
I think that people who are interested, who may be um, maybe shy of a, of a more spiritual pursuit, could find one that's more physically based. And oh. the, the one, you know, the the idea with all yoga is to raise the kundalini, and that's called the nerve of the soul. So the actual kundalini energy, in, in whether you're doing vinyasa flow or you're doing hot yoga or you're, you know, doing what we call kundalini yoga, um, the idea is to raise the kundalini and to feel really, really blissful and to feel really balanced. So it's not fireworks, but rather feeling like you are yourself, that you're your strongest self and able to be engaged with the world in really successful ways. Okay. And what, okay, so then, so that would be kind of more of the practice of it then for someone who's kind of, who's listening in and saying, oh, I don't know about that because that sounds, okay, got it. Yeah, and they may, they may enter it from more of a physical viewpoint um, that they want to have uh, better abs. (laughs) And so they'll do plank pose or, you know, whatever it is and, and they will get better abs and then maybe they'll find a, a deeper connection with themselves while they're at it. Okay. So, yes, I would say for atheists or agnostics or, or those, I think they, that they could find an entry point for themselves. It's not and a religion. So, oh, and, yeah. Okay. And so that's why, um, is, is that why there may be these different modes of yoga that exist? Or is it, I mean, yes. mm-hmm. okay. I okay. So, yeah. Okay. So that there is some sort of entry point for people if they, if they are interested in it. Yes, and they, you know, they may want to take it to a certain point and, and, and then find a, a different way that, that appeals to them better. Um, some emphasize more meditation practice, you know, some are more physically based, etc. And that's interesting you say that, you know, I've often heard from individuals who um, have done yoga about how just life transforming it can be. For them, like they get more in touch with themselves, they're more in touch with uh, what's meaningful for them. They feel more connected with their own physical bodies. And I'm curious if you have noticed that in practicing and uh, with the work that you do. Yes, it's and it's very inspiring. I I had a client um, a few years ago, and she came and she was very dedicated to doing a, a yoga set that I quote-unquote prescribed, recommended for her, um, and a meditation. And she did it very, very, you know, dedicatedly and committedly for for several months and weaned herself off of a psychotropic medication. And she said, I threw out my medicine cabinet. I threw out my, my oh, wow. stomach, you know, the things that help reduce the acid in your stomach and her, her headache remedy. She threw that away. And, you know, it helped her on many, many, many levels, you know, but it was just, it was so inspiring to see just how, the no side effects, right? And no, right, yeah, and no side effects. Really a happy to... person now. Right. So, <laughs> that, and no side effects. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have talked about a lot of different things um, on the show today, and we've only got just a few seconds left before we need to close. So I'm wondering... Um, if people want to learn more information about yoga or meditation or what you do or want to connect with you to to just know more, what, what are some ways that listeners can connect with you? 
Yes, they're, they're welcome to contact my website, visit my website. And my website is my name, so it's shabadkar.com, so www. And then shabadkar is S-H-A-B-A-D-K-A-U-R.com. Um, I also co-direct Spirit Rising Yoga Center with my husband. And our website is spiritrisingfoundation.org. So people would be welcome to visit that. And um, all our contact information is on that. So um, we run a Kundalini Yoga teacher training program and offer classes and workshops. I teach um, an emotional wellness class, Yoga for Emotional Wellness, integrating these teachings. And the yoga community is very healing for people as well. The people with anxiety or depression find others who are going through similar things. And um, that's a, a beautiful resource for them to meet others and to have those relationships that's very healing as well so and we also offer a midwest women's yoga retreat in september so you can visit our website to learn more about that this september well thank you so much for being on today i really appreciate all the information that you shared including the uh, breathing meditation that you offered um so thank you very pleased to be on the show very honored absolutely I i wish everyone a lot of wellness Thank you. Yes, we all wish a lot of people wellness. Um, Join us next week as Don Kenner will be on talking about eating wellness. Thanks for staying tuned today and enjoy your weekend. Thanks again for making the first of hopefully many changes this week by tuning in to Moving Forward Wellness One Step at a Time. Dr. Serena Wadwa hopes that you'll join her again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.